Again, brethren, thank you so much for your labor of love. All I can say to you, to God be the glory. I was coming to the church this morning and thinking about the years that God have tried to reach Fort McMurray. We've seen four grounds. I've seen all four that was spoken of in the book of Matthew 13. But you know, it's like a mother giving birth to a child. Nine months is a long time to carry that load around. But the delivery date is the most exciting time. It's the most painful time. And yet it's the most joyous time. Praise God. Praise God. Chapter 2 of the book of Titus. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Paul writing to, Tim, to Titus say, These things speak, exhort, rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Verse 11. For the grace of God, the grace of God, Lord Jesus, we stand in awe of creation. We stand in awe of the beauty of the snowflakes, the beauty of the trees and the rivers, and above all, we, your workmanship, take the service in your control. Grant anointing, divine releasing, divine binding, loosening in accordance to your spirit. We shall give you the praise. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. And I want to talk to you about grace. When I hear grace spoken of by the religious Christian world today, I get nervous. Even when saints that are not totally submissive to apostolic authority said they want to talk about grace. I said, what are you going to say about grace? What do you know about grace? Well, they'll say to me, well, not by works are we saved, but by grace. I said, well, yeah, where are you going? Who have you been listening to? What radio station you've been tuned into? Because the grace announcers are talking about anti-so-called legalism, anti-nominism. That means running wild, loose and free without any control. That is not what Paul is writing to Titus to teach and to rebuke and establish. Paul is telling Titus that the law was given by Moses. 
But grace and truth came by Jesus. The law is holy, even if it offends you. The law is right, even if you don't like it. The law is pure. It convert the soul. It make the simple wise. The laws of God is prominent in the church. In fact, God did not abolish the law. He magnified the law. He ratified the law. He fulfilled the law. And all God did was took it out of your conscience, took it off stones, and wrote them on the tablets of your heart. But there's no such thing as the law of God being abolished. Now, when I talk about law, we're not saved by the law. I'm talking about the Levitical priesthood law, which is six to seven hundred laws of washing of pots and pans. Pots and pans cannot save my soul. Water can let me know how I look, but it, you know, it can hardly change how I am. A mirror is the same thing. So what is Paul talking about? The grace of God that bringeth salvation. The word bringeth means continuous. Now I like to know how my Bible was put together. My Bible is not necessarily chronological, but I know in the book of Genesis, there is no Mosaic law. He wasn't even born. The law was given by Moses. So if the law was given by Moses, there's no law. Amen. From the day Adam was created to the day Moses came on the scenery. And we know that God spoke to Abraham. And the Bible said the law came 430 years after God made a promise to Abraham. And God said that he made that promise when Abraham was not even circumcised. Abraham was not even uh, acquainted with the law that Moses had. But God said for 30 years, that law cannot disannul the promise that God made. Now, when God talked about grace, you have to start in Genesis chapter 1 and work your way up to the time of the closure when, when uh, a man called Joseph was about to die and told his brethren, don't you leave my bones behind. Don't you let me be buried here for life. When the Messiah come, you pick up my bones <laughs> and you take my bones through that Red Sea experience and you cross Jordan with my bones and you planted me right in the promised land. Don't you leave my... Now, I could teach a whole lecture on that about the rapture and the fact that our bones won't stay here. Some will be alive and remain and some are going to be dead and the bones will be carried up to be with the Lord. I could go there, but I'm not going to go there today. But to talk about the grace of God, we first have to look at samples of the grace of God. Now, your children go to school, your teachers try to teach you, and they give you examples and samples that you may comprehend because you don't have no foreknowledge of what they're talking about. And they've got to show you what things mean and what they are talking about. Now, Adam and Eve was in the garden, uh, and God blessed them in a place called paradise in modern-day Iraq, in that part of the world. It's no longer there. And God blessed them, and God told them, everything that you want is yours. 
Eat freely, live freely. You own the entire world. It's all yours. But, and that's where Christians have problems. But, do not touch or eat this. And I'm not going to tell you why, except that in the day you do it, you're going to die. This time I'm going to kill you. It says you indulge in that, going to cause your death. Now, I don't think Adam and Eve had any idea what death is. Never seen one. Never, never recognized one. Don't know what they're talking about. Just heard words. Just like you hear him talking words right now. And you don't know what that means. Antinomianism. I mean against law. No law. And so Adam and Eve heard God and he walked away, left them. They had a good relationship. They're having good fun together. It's not like today we got to pray you know, hours before we can touch God or, or go on our knees and, and beg and so on. No, no. God just walked up to him and said, hey, hey, Adam. He said, hi, almighty. And they begin to talk like friends. Good relationship. Wonderful. But a day came. A day came when someone came in and began to mess around privileges, freedom, opportunity that God had given to a couple and told them by the change of one word, not surely die. There's always another voice that comes to mess up our liberty, spy out our liberty, spout our freedom. Let me tell you, liberty still have restrictions. Freedom still have laws. The goodness of the law still draw a line. Now, they've never seen God as a judge. They've always known God as good God, kind God, provisional God, caring God, nurturing God, wonderful counselor, mighty God. That's all they've ever known. But guess what? There's another side to him. Praise God. Don't touch that. Amen. Liberty have restrictions. Freedom is not free when you cross lines. And they took. Now, I personally believe he first took it. Adam didn't do it. And he noticed he didn't drop dead. God didn't say he's going to drop dead. He made it. He said, in the day. In the day. Didn't say, how soon? It's in the day. In the day you do it. So that convinced him he could do it, too. So he did it. Amen. The wife and the husband did it together. And something happened to them. I think they were okay until they hear the voice of God. And all of a sudden, God don't sound merciful to them anymore. It seemed like God become draconian. God become like some roaring lion coming out towards them. And God says, Adam, you know, friendly voice, where are you? He says, I'm hiding. What? You're doing what? Did you get your hand in the cookie jar? Did you mess around a thing that I told you not to touch? She said, well, uh, well, I didn't say yes. I said, no, well, that girl you gave me. That girl you gave me. She gave this to me. No, don't blame me. I was doing pretty good. Dude, you got this weird idea, but I need a girl. <laughs> and now she did this to me. 
And God says, eat? What have you done? She says, oh, God, don't blame me. That slippery, slimy serpent came by here and told me that everything's going to be all right. Just I can be wise, I can be sensible, and I can just be like God. Now, what's so strange is they're already built like God, already have the image of God. Nothing lacking but a sour grape. That lousy sour grape. Didn't even say they enjoyed it. <laughs> but they consumed it. And God began to judge. For the first time, man began to experience the wrath of God. All of a sudden, he just flipped. And began to curse the serpent. Turned to Eve and passed a verdict on her that you ladies all know about today. And you're still carrying it and you can't forget where it came from. It's not in your genetics. It came from your source of origin. Amen. What she did. And then God turned to Adam. And as a result, we are sweating. <laughs> in the wintertime, we're sweating. And we got to work till our backs are broken. And we die going to her grave, working hard, and can't make ends meet. But it goes back to there. And right there, for the first time, I think Adam and Eve learned about the grace of God and the anger and the wrath of God. The grace of God is magnified mercies. Unlimited, seemingly, opportunity. It flows like a mighty sea. Everything is yours. And then here they see more of the grace of God when God said, what you have on is not good enough. Now, a lot of folks hate this church on one ground, especially women. Dress codes. I know a lot of men that want to live for God in this city, but their wife says, no. I don't like that church. They want you to dress a certain way or do the thing a different way, that, that, and we are not going to do it. The spirit of Eve is still in them. And that man is falling for what she says, just like Adam did. And the problem is they're both going to be in the ditch. Because God said, I don't like the dress you made. And I don't like the clothes you just put on, Adam. For me, it's not good. And God stripped them, took it off them, because God did not like what their wall robe had. Hello? I'm telling you the truth. And the Bible said he made a model clothing for them. And I believe God clothed Adam and Eve from their neck down to their ankle bone. And I believe he clothed them from their shoulder to their wrist. And I believe the same God that married them put them out of the garden as a couple, well-dressed and suited for the environment of the world. There was no Twiggy. There was no fashion show. There was no Hollywood or France. Italy or TV or whatever they call themselves out there to tell Eve how to do it or to tell Adam how to dress. But God clothed them 
And there we see the mercies of God demonstrated by grace. Where did the skin come from? Where did the coat come from? Because nobody had died since this time. Something had to die that they may cover their hides. The innocent had to be slain for the guilty. Blood had to be shed for the criminals who stole God's fruit. That's what they did. They stole it. It was not theirs to have. And they stole it. It's like some people steal tithing. They steal from God. God said, they robbed me in tithing offering. Now you can argue that if you want to. I'm not here to argue with that. But the Bible says, put them out. And it says, when Adam and Eve, first of all, we watch this. When Adam and Eve did this, when they left that gate where the flaming sword was and they stepped in the world, didn't say Adam and Eve went in the world. It says sin entered the world. God is calling Adam and Eve what? Sin. Because the world had not known sin. It was very good. But when they step into that situation, sin entered into the world. You know, it's amazing, you know, the baggage we carry with us. And then the old ground was cursed because of Adam and Eve. And there we saw the grace of God, and we don't see God talk to them anymore. That's what happened. When grace ceased to exist, God is no longer in communion or union or fellowship with the people that once speak to us. But the good news is, by one man's sin came in the world. By another man, hallelujah, righteousness was brought to us. Amen. And the contrast began to be drawn. And that's why, you know, I was thinking yesterday, contemplating, Jesus, you live on earth for 30 years. You're almighty God, and nobody even knew it. <laughs> but at age 30, he entered his ministry. And you can see why, because Adam was age 30 when he sinned. He said, how do you know that? We'll prove it to you later on. Adam was about that age when he sinned against God. Amen. And Jesus Christ is called the second Adam. But I want you to notice the mercies of God does not compromise with sin. God was not willing that they would drop dead and perish like the serpent desire. But God also had to punish Adam and Eve for their sins. But by covering them with the skin, it speaks of the word atoning. Atonement means cover. He covered their nakedness. When you and I sin or living sin, God said we're naked in his eyes. And you'd think it means just biologically naked. No, a lot more than that. Deeper in theology. But God covered their nakedness. And we see the grace of God, amen, put a sword at the gate. Now, you say, this church, do we have a sword at that gate? I don't think so. The sword is right up here. That Bible in your hand is the sword. It's a two-edged sword. The two edges are Old Testament and New Testament. That's the two edges. Amen. And they 
this, this book decides who gets back in the garden and who is kept out of the garden. That's why I, I, be, I, be, I, I beseech you, brethren, by the grace of God and the mercy of God, that you spend some time and study the word. Because it's not the pastor going to keep you out. It's not the congregation going to keep you out. It's the word. It's the word of God that's going to judge you. I don't have a right to judge you. I don't give you the permission to condemn you. But the word of God that God speaks will be the sword, the two-edged sword that's in this church and determine who gets in and who stays out. Clap your hand to Jesus. Well, they got out of the garden, the Bible says, and when they got out there, they had kids. Listen to me now. Cain and Abel. Cain was born first. Abel came after and we see again the goodness of God going to Cain and Abel and teaching them. I don't know what their parents teach them or taught them. I don't know what God taught them. You need an altar. If you're going to stay in fellowship with me, you're going to have to have an altar. Otherwise, we're not going to have fellowship because we broke it a long time ago. But between you and me going to be a fellowship. Of the altar. And somehow the Bible implied Cain knew what he had to do. Just like the five fools virgin, they knew what to buy, where to get it, but they didn't get it. Cain knew what God wanted. Abel also knew. Abel wanted to stay in fellowship and relationship with God. Because that's what grace is all about. Grace is saying, forget about the problem and focus on the possibilities. Hello. And only an altar can make that possible. And the Bible says Cain brought whatever he brought, offered to God, and God said, no way. I'm not going to accept that. That's shocking news for a lot of us. I will not accept that. Amen. There's a way that seemed right to us, but to God, it's an abomination. Think about that. Thank God for the Bible. They give me a, a direction where to go. And then Abel came and did the capable thing. Now, God speak to Cain as if it was within his power, within his knowledge, his ability to do what God requires. Adam and Eve was not a hard thing to do. Just don't touch that. Just don't eat it. Cain, build me an altar that satisfies me. And you will be what? Accepted. A word God never used for Adam and Eve. You will be what? Accepted. Let me tell you, being God fellowship is, is a high order. It's better than the queen putting a knighthood on you. You are accepted by God. That means you can come in like Esther and the guy with the, with the, with the being it to kill you at the door got to let you in. Can't touch you. Because the king raised a scepter says, accepted. Come on in. The door is opened. We can fellowship. And the Bible know that Cain got rejected and Abel got accepted. He got jealous. But what was happening here? We're seeing the wrath of God 
and the grace of God. Amen. Because grace teaches us. Grace is not just works. Grace brings knowledge, understanding, to whom much is given. Much is expected. You're the Lord in Revelation at the end of the chapter, uh, chapter 3, to one church. I wouldn't you were hot or cold. Hot mean you're, you're with me. Cold mean you're against me. But I can't take you on the fence. Get off the fence. Get on one side or the other. But I can't live with you on there. If you don't like me, I know that. <laughs> if you love me, I know that. But if you're on the fence, I can't be with you. It made me sick, nauseated. I want to vomit. And God said, Cain, it's either my way or the highway. And Cain said, well, it's going to be the highway. God said, fine, go. Because grace does not force you to submit. But you cannot tell God my punishment is greater than I could bear. Because God matched the punishment with a crime. Amen. He became a, a vagabond and a loose person. And from that time, God never deal with him anymore. Now, we know the story how the Canaanites multiplied. So did the Setites, the, the third son. And how they grew. And the Bible says something happened. The world did not have Moses' law. You ever wonder why God don't just kill people in the bar and on the streets and all that? They're, they're ignorant. And he's not willing that they should what? Perish. Hallelujah. And one of the hard things for the Pharisees to understand was why this woman caught in adultery? And why was she not stoned? Why was she not killed? And Jesus said, I didn't come with a ministry of litigation. I didn't come to litigate. I come to advocate. I didn't come to condemn. I come to commend and recommend, not destroy. And so God looked upon the world and saw the wickedness of man. He had a choice, church. He could have done exactly what he did to the angels. He could have destroyed us in one shot, bang, and you wouldn't know it. But God, be merciful, said the end of all flesh is coming. Well, God, why are you telling us? We don't know this. But he wants somebody to be in the session. So he dropped a little eavesdrop right there, right by Noah's ear. And says, Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Why didn't God save everybody in this city? Not everybody found grace. Only those who found grace are going to build something for God. And the Bible said, well, the sons of God are living in this grace. In God's eyes, Noah found grace. And God said, Noah, I'm going to let you have grace. Grace means I'm going to show you favor without merit. I'm going to be kind to you. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to destroy everything that has breath in it, including you. But you found favor. Not because of what you've done, but I chose to reveal to you the plan for the planet. I'm going to reveal to you the future 
of the world and the generation you belong to. I'm going to give you a chance to do something about it. What God did to Noah was to magnify his mercies. But limit the time period of which the offer is available. Grace is abundance. But the time uh, it's available is limited. And that's the key of my message. Grace is overflowing like a mighty sea. Where sin abound, grace much more abound. Meaning God will not destroy the world without suffering long with the object of his wrath. Go build me an ark. Give him the size of dimension. But not tell him how long the period is for. But God gave him a plan no different today. And why I mention this to you because Jesus reminded us of it. He said, as it was in the days of Noah. Now, most times we talk about the flood. But really what he's emphasizing is the grace of God was at work. The days of Noah was wicked, sacrilegious, terrible. Got the attention that God brought him down to destroy it. And gave Noah a plan. I said, Noah, it's in your hand. To save thyself and them that hear thee. Now God didn't tell Noah how long it's going to be for. And how long it's going to take him to build that ark. Just like God, Christ Jesus, have not told you and me how long it's going to be that we're going to be here. With this opportunity of grace being offered to us. But Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Preaching, teaching the knowledge of grace. Because grace brings knowledge with it. And 120 years is a long time. I don't think anybody is going to live that long. If you do, you're going to be like a fossil looking, you know, all like a spare rib sticking out of a worn out flesh. If you live that long, I promise you, you won't look that cute today. You look like a mummy. Amen. But the Bible says, the day came when God, you want to see God's unwillingness? God said, Noah, get on that ark. And thank God for good fathers, good husbands. That's not concerned just to make a buck. But is concerned about the salvation of his wife and children in spite of the world condition. Because the grace of God has visited your family and the family next door. Because it appeared unto all men. The message God gave me is nobody drowned in that flood that was not exposed to the grace of God. Even just looking at the ark would have brought on the question, why are you building this ark? And it would have been an open door for witnessing for Noah to tell them why. God is fixing to destroy all flesh. And this is the plan of God for you, 
your wife and your children. Get them believing. And God called that faith. Wherever faith is, grace is. Because faith pleases God. And Noah moves that church with fear. With what? Fierce protection. Prepared an ark for the saving of his wife and sons and their wives. Hallelujah. He prepared it. And said, now, come on, family, come on in. Because God told me, going to close the door. The animals are coming in. Church, they must have seen the animals coming in. The environmental condition must have suggested to them, perhaps Noah is right. Jesus raised the issue. As in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the same time. And I'm trying to raise the issue today that you and I have the grace of God to escape what's coming upon this world. Luke said, pray that you be accounted worthy to escape the things coming up on our world. When I think about what they talk about, they want to do to this earth with nuclear weapons, you will not survive it. After death come judgment. After judgment come hell. And God didn't want those people to die. But just not Noah. Here's a sad part. Sons of God. Sons of God mean people with knowledge of the truth. They saw the prosperity of a wicked world. The fame and the fortune of an evil society. And rather than being a witness, they joined it. And became a part of the darkness. And the Bible said, God began to lose sons of God. Here's a tragedy. In the days of Enos and Seth, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. By the time the flood came, nobody was praying. If you want to know what church is going to be in the rapture, come for a prayer meeting. Only people in prayer meeting always escape the cataclysmic activities that are going to take place at any time in biblical history. Nobody ever escaped that was not in a prayer meeting. Search your Bible. And the Lord has drawn the parallel right here to us and said, as it was. Now, church, there are people, Peter, remind me of it, and said, souls. In person, who in the days of Noah were disobedient. It was not that the grace of God wasn't available. When they told me about this guy who hung himself on this reserve, I asked the question, surely God talked to him. and said, don't do that, son. You know the church. You know the truth. You've heard it. You promised to preach. You're going to be in church next Sunday. And now this week you're going to be in hell in, in the grave because of methamphetamine and coke mixed together. And he hung himself and he died. But did the grace of God appear unto him? What bothered me here? The grace of God, the unmerited favor, 
the magnified mercies of God that bring with it salvation, ready to give it away, hath appeared to everybody, to the Muslim, to the Jews, to the Gentiles, to the rich, to the poor, to the blind. Nobody left out of the picture. It appeared to all. Let's worship God. The Lord says there are souls, and I can show it to you about it if you have time, in prison. God said everyone that died went to hell. Jesus went and preached to them in 1 Peter chapter 3. Souls were in prison, in hell. But my question is, where was the mercies of God? I'm trying to tell you today, God's grace and mercy overflow abundantly. But the offer time is always limited. There is more grace available than you can contain it. And I think of a story in Hebrews chapter 12. It appears to all men, the Bible says, but also said about Esau. Esau died many hundred years ago. Many hundred years ago, Esau died. And here is the writer of Hebrews telling us, be careful lest any man fail the grace of God like Esau. And he told you how. For one morsel or one bowl of soup, he sold his birthright. Church, sons of God, died in the flood. The ark was built enough to hold them, but they didn't want to be enrolled on that list. They chose the way of the Canaanites and perish in their folly. But where was the grace of God, the magnifier? said, Noah, I waited 120 years. That's a long time waiting, preaching for man to change. It is so unusual that even angels ask the question, God, what is man that you stretch the limit so much, that you put up so much with them? Why do you treat them that way when we sin one time and you kick us out for all time? Folks, I haven't heard what I just said. Then the Bible went on, and Jesus, tongue in cheek, said to you and me again, to us generation, remember the days of Lot. Grace making another trip down your lane to your home, to your family. To your wife, to your sons, to your daughters. I'm giving your family another chance, another grace. I'm waiting. I'm long-suffering. But please, while you're waiting on me, don't fall from grace. I'm waiting on you. And the grace of God that brings salvation is waiting on you. 
but the time is not always going to be there. I feel there are people in this church right now. I'm talking to you, and the birds of the air just taking every word I said out of your ears and gone. You didn't believe one half what I'm saying. You don't think it's going to happen to you. But grace did appear to that guy in that coffin. Grace did appear to that terrorist with that gun. Grace did appear to the prime minister. The king, the sons and daughters. They sometimes even quote the Bible. They may not live it and accept it, but they quote it. They're aware of it. Grace of God. Now, church, I want to show you something here. Remember Lot. God is trying to evoke something in you and me that you must not ignore. Lot is a young lad, a brother of Sarah, that was linked up with Abraham. And you can't walk with us and not get blessed. <laughs> Laban discovered that. When Jacob came to his house, things got better. When Joseph came to Egypt, Egypt survived. And if you hang around us, not because you're living good, but you're in a place where the goodness of God is. And it fall upon the just and the unjust. But you can't meritoriously claim it. It's happening to you because you hang around good people. And any blessing come on us, Moses told his father-in-law, if you come on us, it's going to come on you also. Because God, amen, is not going to exclude you. you got to include it just in case you might change your ways. And Lot prospered magnificently. God magnified him. God treated him like he was Abraham's son. His cattle's increased. His staff increased. His finance increased. Everything about him till he was a competition to Abraham. They grew so much in wealth and health that the land couldn't contain them. Why? Because the grace of God is at work. Amen. I don't care how cursed the ground is if Isaac is dead, it will bring forth a hundredfold. Because grace turned things around. Amen. And the Bible said he had a problem with Abraham. Now, it didn't take a lower seat. He took the higher place. And Abraham said, okay, son, you know, I'm not going to fight with you. I will fight with you over this place and this carnal stuff. You take a look around and see where you want to go. Go anywhere you want. And if you go east, I go west. You go north, I go south. I will not compete with you. I want you to stay blessed and be blessed and take what you have and go with it. God bless you. Look, lift up his eyes and look around. Let me tell you, because the economy is good, don't mean everything is all right. Because the land is well watered and the plate is looking pretty good. You got money in the bank and so on and so forth. Don't mean God is with you. It doesn't mean God is for you. It just means you're saving your wealth for somebody else. Take from you. And Lot looked down on Sodom. But prior says Sodom was an exceedingly what? Wicked place. Hello. You know what? You know what Lot stood? Lot stood at two points. Look at me. In the house called Beth Haven and Bethel. Bethel is the house of God. Beth Haven, which is Ahai, is the house of what? 
ruin. And how often time you make decisions to do things. Staying across the world is very critical. That could determine your future. Short-term decision, long-term pain. Think about it. And he stood there and looked. And Abraham was watching him. And he chose the well-watered plain and left Abraham with the rocky, hilly mountains of struggles. Supposing he obtained his plans, he began to make his way down towards Sodom. Now, he knows Sodom is wicked. He knows it. Hey, let me. And he knows nobody knows God down there. But he, for a commercial reason, you're going to set his soul out like Esau did and like others have done. He went down, and the Bible says he didn't plan to stay. How many times you didn't plan to stay where you are? Well, you got stuck. You got deeper involved. Sin is like that, you know. Sin will take you a little further than you plan to go and cost you a little bit more than you can afford to pay. Hello? Hallelujah. And you may find yourself in need of a Savior to pay a debt you didn't owe. Because you're the debt you couldn't pay. Think about it. He went down, 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 and finally, it's constant speaker said, I can't go in that city. So it stopped right here. So Jeremy means for a short time. How short is short when you're in the will of God? And he took his big flock, his nice family. You know, I pray. Hey, family, you pray that daddy make proper decision. And you pray that mom make good decision. They're going to drag all the kids into it too. Amen. You want to get lost, they're going to be lost with you. They're going to go down to hell with you, my friend. Think about them when you're you making your decision, my friend. Not just about you, it's about them also. And they're a victim of a wrong decision. A bad, bad decision can get them in hell. And you didn't plan that, but it just happened. But he went into Sodom. And the Bible says, because Jesus remember the story. He went into Sodom, beloved. And when he got in there, of course they promoted him. You know, they make him the gatekeeper. Can't imagine being the gatekeeper of Sodom. I a godly person. You got promoted on earth, but you're demoted in heaven. You got fellowship on earth, but you lost fellowship in heaven. Think about it. It was the grace of God that blessed him. The unmerited, magnified mercies of God that brought him and wrought him and gave him what he had. Hallelujah. And the thing that was about this man, he left altar building. He left a place where a man knew God and joined himself to a bunch of atheistic Free launchers, democratic, do what you feel like, feel good, do it. Amen. Driven by sexual immorality. No restraint, no constraint, no legalism. Everything, do what you feel like. And the Bible says, when he went in there, he never thought about the impact it had on his wife. Or the impact it had on his children. All he was concerned, how can I take care of my Marketing, my business, my commercialism. Amen. And that's all he focused on. He became the mayor of the city. Oh my, they love me. Woo. 
never thought about Abraham. And church, a war broke out. They captured him. They took him into bondage. Somebody told Abraham, I want to show you grace. In chapter 15, they took him, chapter 13 15, they took this young lad and going to make a slave out of him. Abraham heard it. Abraham went and dragged him and pulled him out. I'm thinking some people you can't pull them from their tradition, from their routine. They're bent on going to hell. They are bent on being dope addicts. They're bent on another fix of drugs and alcohol. And they can't give up the bottle. But when you go in the coffin, beloved, you will give that up. You give up the boyfriend, the girlfriend, and the cigarettes and the drugs you have. They say you can't give for God right now. You will give it up. Mark my word. You will quit. Because you can't smoke it in the coffin. You can't take LSD and drugs in that coffin. Hallelujah. Nothing that kept you from God can go with you. Can you hear me? But grace is waiting on you to make a change for the better. Long term. For the good. Grace said I'm not here forever. But I'm here right now. Full of mercy. Full of grace. Full of kindness. I'm offering you an olive branch. Abraham brought him back. Church, here's the sad part. And rescues the Sodomites and defeat their enemies. Do you think Lot would follow Abraham back? You know what Lot did? While Abraham is busy and tied up with Melchizedek, Lot went home with a sodomite king. When you leave this church today, who do you go home with? Who is your God? The God of this world? The God of alcohol? The God of drugs? The God of free sex? The God of what do I feel like? Or the God of heaven? You're going to leave with a God, my friend. He went home with the God of the sodomites. Grace? Give you another route to escape? Go back to your roots? Not so. He went home to the Sodomite king and started living all over again. Hallelujah. Took his wife and children, whom God spared, and took them back right in that cesspool. And finally, God says, I have had enough. Now, church, remember now, Moses is not yet born. The law was not yet given. But the law of conscience was in their heart. You can't tell me that your conscience don't tell you what you're doing is wrong. You can't tell me that your conscience don't speak to you at nighttime when you're in a drunken stupor. Come on now. You do things when you're drunk you wouldn't do when you're sober. Think about it. I'm not condemning you. I'm telling you what your conscience says. The conscience screams at you. And say, release me, let me go. I don't love that life anymore. That's the grace of God talking. Because where there is no preacher, there's a little preacher in your heart. The conscience. 
That one that you shut down right now that I'm talking to you. That one that you close out right now because you don't want to hear it. And you stop your ears, you still close your eyes, and you don't want to be involved in it. But church, it's the grace of God that give you a lively conscience. That said, respond. Lot wouldn't respond. Lot says he was vexed every what? Day. And no doubt said, honey, we made a bad mistake. We shouldn't have come back with this king. Abram is busy having communion. Brennan Ryan with Melchizedek. Promised a son called Isaac. And he is in a doomed situation. And conscience is pricking him. He said, look, you make a wrong move. You're in a wrong locale. Change while you can. Get out of it. Run. Because conscience is speaking where law is absent. And God came down and said, I want to meet Abraham. Church, listen to me, man. Don't you know that person who's trying to bring you to God? That's an angel of mercy who God sent in your life. Let's worship Jesus. You should be receptive, accepting for the fellowship and the fellowship that God's giving to you right now. You should be embracing it because I'm bringing to you salvation plan. I'm bringing you a lesson that teaches you how to escape. Amen. The inferno are going to come to Sodom. Somebody give me that salt over there, please. Go over there. Boy, quick, quick, quick. Give me that salt. I got a little evidence to show to you. Thank you. Stand right there, please. Stand, stand right there. You're Abraham. God, take counsel with nobody, the Bible says. So why is he counseling with Abraham? Abraham, shall I hide from, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Shall I hide from him? Seeing that he's going to raise some children up and bring up in the fear of God. Shall I hide from him? No. Does God counsel with people? No, the Bible says no. I just said, with whom did he counsel? Who's being his counselor? He does things after the counsel of his own will. But he deliberately want this man to talk him out of it. He's going to go down and destroy them. Hello? Because conscience is not talking to them. Lot is not witnessing to them. Lot became a part of the problem. He's not reflecting God. He lost his crew, his staff. He lost his girls who marry ungodly men. Have two girls that Sodomites don't want. Have a wife that loved the style of Sodom and she only wanted to leave. Even though it grieved daddy to stay there. So she wanted to stay. And God says, should I hide from Abraham? Should I? God, what do you mean should I hide from him? Who is it, Abraham, that he should do this? But his grace appearing to this man and going to appear to Sodom. And when he was through, Abraham started bartering with him. Do you know if anybody else can barter with God? 40, 35. It was says lottery. Is this lottery? Are you selling cows? Are, are, you, are you auctioning something? 25. 
How about 20? How about 15? Well, how about 10? And he felt embarrassed. I better stop at 10. What's happening here, folks? Grace. While he's doing this, Sodom is living on borrowed what? Time. And don't even know it. Lot don't even know it. I'm telling you, the year 2000 is gone. This is after two days it's going to come. And somehow we're living on borrowed time. And I don't know when he's going to drop the curtain, but I know he's going to drop it soon. And he's, he's borrowing. He said, if I see 10, you, you, you won't hurt it. I won't hurt it. And then he stopped asking, and God said, fine, I'm gone. And God disappeared. Two men went down. Mercy and truth comes to your home. They're not Bible thumpers. They're not pushing religion on you. They're trying to pull you out of the fire. The job of the witnesser is to show you the way out. Amen. I want to show you how mad these people were. Two angels walk in the city. They knew they looked different because the world knew they looked different. Right? And they saw where they went. Went right to Lot's house. And said, well, I want to hang around here for a while. And also, oh, no, come to my house. Because he knows what goes on, right? Come to my house. So, so they came to his house. And church, do you think they were impressed in a godly way? They want to commit lewd act with those two men. Not only adults. Listen now, folks. But children. Do you know Fort McMurray schools, every school in McMurray, are teaching your kids to be sodomites? Lesbians? Transvestite? Don't look at me like that! They are! What are you teaching your kids? Are you teaching your kids the Bible standard for life? Jesus said, before he come, it will happen to us! But grace keep the church here still. To the point that they're mocking us. Where is the promise of his coming? It's not because God is slack. It's because God is gracious. God is merciful. Not willing that anybody should perish. Stay with me, folks. I can never finish this message. I lost too much time. So, they come to fight to get to this man. They're going to tear down the house. You know the story, what goes on. But I, want, I don't want to go into grave detail here. The angel says, Lord, come on in. And Lord says, you know what? Let's satisfy their urges. Take your two girls. I want two girls. Come here. Two young kids. Come on. You two girls, come here. Yes. Come here, girls. Come on, quick. Hurry. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Stand right here. Those wicked men and kids out there, they want the angels. But the angel says, let me smite them. It's one with darkness. And in their darkness, they're still in their wicked act. And Lot come up with a great idea. All right, angel, don't worry about it. I got an answer. Let's take my two girls and give them 
to those wicked men and people, the mob, and tell those people, do what you want with them. I don't care. Go ahead. Go Do what you want with them. Can you imagine that? That's a far lot gone. He lost his sensitivity to righteous indignation. He didn't feel like David. You ain't going to get this lamb. No, my dead body. How many of you are handing over your kids to people you don't even know their background? Just so you could keep your position and your job titles. And conscience is screaming, no, don't do that. Grace said, don't give them over. I come to save them, not to devour them. I come to bring them out, not to give them up. Thank you, girls. They're wicked men who love to sodomize these girls. And defile them. And we don't have caring parents. Caring mom and dad. They're more concerned about their cash flow. No conscience. And the angel said, look, I realize you're ready to give up these girls. But do you have anybody else around here that should be saved? Beside these? Oh, I got some girls got married to the wrong guys, but please go get them. Get to the back room and get them while I wait here. How long do they wait? All night. That's grace. Waiting. It's not even in the program. God didn't send the angels to do that. He said, go destroy this city. But God put an appendage in there. Bring out Lot. He's not worthy of anything but still bring him out to a safe spot. But first time, go get his family. While you're busy chasing the bucks, how about your family? How about your wife? How about your children? Huh? Come on, think about it, folks. The grace of God is operating here. It, it appeared to Lot again to his children. I wonder what they thought when daddy says, give my girl to the wicked man. I wonder what they thought. I know what they thought. Later on, we saw what they thought. Hello? And the kids that got married start to laugh. Church, the laugh is not on us, it's on them. We're giving you one more chance to make use of the situation. Grace. Jesus says, remember Lot. In other words, all you Christians who think the economy is everything, remember Lot. Are you losing your family and your wife in the process while chasing the almighty dollar? Dollar is not king. Jesus is king. Don't look at me like that. I bring the truth. This ain't no prosperity church. It's a gospel church. It's a good news church. I'm trying to tell you the grace of God that brings us salvation has appeared to all men. To Hitler, to Churchill, and to this church. But church, he came back empty-handed. Let me come to a climax here. Empty-handed. Empty-handed. They think he's joking. 
You know why? He was never serious before. He lost everything he brought into Sodom. All he has left now is just his wife and two girls. And he's not even trying to save those. Amen. When Abram is praying, Abram is praying, oh God, if you find 50, because when he left me, you know about 100 in starved, but maybe he lost 50%. Oh God, maybe he lost 25 more percent. And maybe he lost, Abram, no, he's losing all the way. So lukewarm mean, lukewarm mean you're, you're losing degrees and not recognizing it. Yes. Little by little you're losing. Angel says, you know what? I, I, I spent my time. God's calling on me. So, come, so get out of here. Come on. Get these girls out of here. They won't come. Fine. They have a chance to come and they didn't want to come. Get out now. Five times the angel time to get out of here. And the last time, the morning started coming up, and he grabbed him by the hand. Mercy. Amen. Grabbed him. Get out of here. And grabbed him by the hand and grabbed his wife and just follow me. Run for your life. Amen. Go, listen now, go up to the mountain. I mean, he's showing him the plan of salvation. Yes. You know what he said? Not so. Mm-hmm. Not so. Let me go where I want to go. Now, where are you sending me? Thank you, brother. Now, where are you sending me? A lot of people, husbands and wives, could have been saved when I tried to. But they were stubborn. They wanted my way, the Frank's the natural way. And he grabbed him, and I believe the only way he could leave that city that fast he must have been raptured out of that place and dropped outside the gate and said, don't you ever look back, forgetting the thing which are behind. Press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. Run with what you got left of your family. Run, run for your life. Escape to the mountains and don't stand the plane because there's problems can hit you down there. Run! Run! Don't look back. That's mercy teaching us. That's the grace of God talking to us. I'm telling you, don't go back to drugs. Don't go back to alcohol. Don't go back to the old life you used to live. Why must you die? God has no pleasure in the death of a sinner or the wicked. Grace is calling you. Grace is reaching out. Brought him out. Escape for your love. Look not behind me. Don't stay in the plains. Escape to the mountain. Avoid the consummation. I'm going to stop because it's late. I need four more hours to keep on preaching. I'm serious. But let's stand. How much time do I need? To talk you out of Satan's grip. Did you hear me? I told my wife yesterday. That's all I have. That's all I can talk to. So, Sorry. I said to my wife. People ask questions. Not because they want truthful answers. It's an entrapment question. Not for the sake of knowing the truth. 
Because after they learn the truth, they have not changed. You can't stay in that mountain where you want to go. Zohar is on the hit list. And he's bleeding. That's the only time in the life of this man I ever heard him pray. You can't find anywhere in the Bible where Lot ever prayed. Please, I can't go. Excuse me. I can't go. I can't, I can't make it up. I can't go. Let me go to Zohar. Hey, but Zohar is on the hit list. God said, all of them, all five cities. But please, it's a small one. You know what he's saying? It's compromising. Oh, this city's not that bad. It's not that bad. Don't destroy like you're going to destroy the rest. It's not that bad. Let me go there even though I know they're no good. I'll never forget when they ask Ahab, why don't you go to that church? Why don't you listen to that preacher? I hate him. I hate him. Why? He never said anything I like to hear. That's all? What if he's right? What if he's right? Have you checked out the text? So the angel said, okay. Okay, I won't argue with you. I'll give you one more restriction. Run! And don't look back. Don't regret that you left Sodom. Don't regret you left those friends behind. Don't regret your children who want to come. They're the same chances you have. Church, the sun rose up, looked like business as usual. I don't even touch my notes. I can't get to it. Because somebody in here, I'm telling you, you're going to die lost. You're going to go to hell. I'm going to be at the funeral and see your grave there and say you die like a fool. You did not. And you could have used the grace that God gave to you. Lot went to Zohar. When he went there, while he's running, I wish husband and wife can learn this. One guy told a story. So one time I took my wife out for dinner. I decided to kiss my wife, so I was turned was turned away. I put some honey on my lips, and I kissed her, and she liked it. So the next time I played a trick on her, I got some salt, some, some pepper sauce, put it on my lips, and I kissed her with a hot lip, hot sauce lip. I said, "Honey, I got some hot lip kiss for you." But she didn't like the hot lips. <laughs> I'm not sure what kind of sermons you want. But he said, and I feel this for the church. Church, 
she was on her way outside of Sodom. Now, she's outside the gate. Those people in Sodom don't know what's going on. They don't know what's going on. Oh, they, you know, because it happens so fast. And she's outside the city. And the angel said, don't look back and just disappear. Those lonely moments when you're by yourself, there's no telling what you'll do. When there's nobody to check upon you, that's when your conscience is needed. That's when your conscience got to speak to you. and says, I can't do that and lose my soul. What will I profit if I gain all the Sodom and lose my soul? The grace of God has appeared to me. I can't go back from the things God brought me out of. I can't go pick up those weak and beggarly elements. I can't pick up the sins I left behind. I can't go pick up the old drugs and the old friends and the old whatever going to drive me to hell. I can't do it. I'm not looking back. I'm running for my life. But she, like so many wives, just to be you wives, just to be very carefully. You're precious people. You're needful. But don't be the reason why your family's lost. Don't let worldly goods and worldly fashion, worldly fame. And if you've got a godly husband, thank God for him. You have a rare commodity. You have a rare species. A godly man. Hallelujah. Because Lot was not one. Why didn't Lot hold his wife's hand and run with her? But he didn't. Every man for themselves. She in defiance, she looked back. And this is what resulted. Salt. That's what she became. They didn't bury her. She didn't go into a grave. She became. Nothing grows where you fall. You die cursed, the ground is cursed, and nothing can flourish where you dropped because you're cursed. It was not God's will. At no time were they under Moses' law. It was not available for the blame the law of Moses. It was the law of conscience. The law of conscience. They would not obey it. And that's why this church is here this morning. Because we know you will not obey the law of conscience. You will not obey it. So God to give you a preacher to stir you up. See the salt right here? This is a sample of sodomites. Evil, immoral people that God could not reach. The only preacher they had in their city was Lot. Does your friends know you're safe? Does your friend know that you live differently? Does your husband know you're living for God? Do you compromise with your husband? Do you got kids to lose? Did you bring your children in this world to go to hell? Did you want to go through what Abraham had to go through? And to son, I can't help you. There's a gulf between us. 
And then in the mountains, he went to Zor and he found the angels was correct. He couldn't live in Zor because they were wicked. So he went and hide in a little cave. A little cave! Here's this wealthy, rich guy that the world couldn't contain. End up in a little foxhole with two girls who had two wicked ideas they learned from Sodom and brought forth kids of the most wicked people in the world, Ammonites and Moabites. And today they're terrorists. Would you bow your heads? Behold, how the Lord God will speak to you one more time. You know not the day nor the hour when I shall appear, but my appearance will be as a thief in the night. In hour that you think not, whether eating and drinking and reveling, said the Holy Ghost, at that moment when the sun comes up and the stars are shining and the world expect me not, then I will come and collect my jewels out of the world. And I will leave behind that which did not hearken to my word. I'll give you today an opportunity to turn from your ways and turn to my laws and my precepts. For my laws are not grievous and my words are not grievous. But my ways are easy and my burden is light and my yoke is easy, said the Holy Ghost. And I'll reach out a hand to you to turn at my grace. Would you come now? For you know not what tomorrow holds. You know not the time. You don't know the place and the hour. And I reach to you today with a hand of grace. Mercy is at your footprints. Say the Lord. Sakamala. Who's God talking to? I have your sample right here. The Holy Ghost is not an option. It's mandatory. It is mandatory. How long halt between two opinions? Go home with the Sodomite kings of the earth or go home with Melchizedek. But you can't go both places. What about your sons and daughters? Are you willing to give them up to the world? Or will you fight for their salvation? What will it be? Will you compromise or will you agonize? I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to recommend you to Jesus. I'm trying to read somebody this morning. Wives, do not let your husband go to hell 